Let's go up to Ames, Iowa, and welcome on our friends at Cyclone Fanatic. We say hello to Jared Stansbury. He's joining us on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Whether you're on radio or on the podcast, if you're on the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Hit that subscribe button as well. And we're giving away, as we always have, uh, free koozies if you leave a rating and a review. And send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, Jared, a lot to get into. Thanks for being here. And let's uh, start off with spring football. It's in the books at Iowa State. It's it's really a new era, right? I mean, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, these guys that helped build the program up are gone. Um, Hunter Deckers, let's start there. A quarterback, the lefty, a lot of hype around him. How do we feel about Hunter Deckers coming out of spring ball? Yeah, man, I don't know that the, the spring could have gone much better, I think, for, for Hunter. And, you know, from everything that I've heard coming out of the program, it sounds like he has really taken the reins and, and done, you know, just about exactly what you would like to see from him in his first spring as, as the guy, you know. And I, I think everybody knew that Hunter was going to have the talent. He has the arm talent. Obviously came in as a four-star recruit, one of the highest – I think he's the highest-rated quarterback recruit in, in Iowa State history. And, um, you know, it sounds like he's lived up to that billing right now. And, you, you know, you talk to guys on the defense – uh, you know, players on that defensive side of the ball, and they they all just talk about his ability to make every throw on the football field. You know, he's got that big arm; he can really stretch the field. Uh, I think as much as anything right now, it's for Iowa State. It's working through. You know, what are the things they need to do to put him in the best positions to be successful? You know, does that mean running a similar system to what you did with Brock Purdy, who was obviously so efficient and so accurate? in his time at Iowa State? Or does it mean you, you really try and stretch the field more? You do use some more play action and, um, you know, try and go over the top of defenses. Uh, I think, you know, from a from my perspective, we just we don't know the answers to those things right now because we did, you know, we got a couple opportunities to watch Iowa State practice at a couple high schools up in the, in the central Iowa area. But uh, obviously they're not going to show a whole lot of, uh, of stuff in a situation like that. So, um, everything that I've heard coming out of the program has been really positive. Uh, you know, I, I think that everybody's really happy with where Hunter is at right now. They felt like he had one of the best springs of anybody on the team. Uh, and now you're just starting to sort through some of the other things that come with uh, building an offense around that kid. So let's look at now the rest of the program here. And, and you know, we obviously have Iowa State fans listening, but then also just Big 12 fans listening. And, and Big 12 fans knew that core group the last couple of years there are a lot of new faces. So outside of Hunter Deckers, I mean, who comes out of spring that really pops for you that are some names that Big 12 fans in general you think should should know ahead of the 2022 season? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think you look at this group of receivers that Iowa State has right now. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson is, the, uh, is that headliner of that group and someone that I think a lot of people, you know, in Big 12 circles would certainly know, you know, a, a multiple-time all-conference selection and was the Big 12 Newcomer of the Year in, in 2020. Um, I think everybody feels like, you know, having a quarterback like Hunter can help him unlock another area of his game and, and showing his ability as a, a downfield threat. Uh, it sounds like Jalen Knoll had a really solid spring. Uh, Daniel Jackson is another guy who he started one game for Iowa State in 2020 and then got hurt, missed the rest of that season, was banged up a lot of last year, didn't get an opportunity to, to get into the mix too much, but someone that I think everybody's really excited to see now that he's back to full strength. So I think that those three guys are all somebody 
you know, really to keep an eye on. It sounds like Jairo Brock had a, had a really solid spring, you know, at, at the running back position, sliding in, taking over for, uh, for Brees Hall. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with that battle here over, you know, the next several months, because it, they also have two redshirt freshmen in Deion Silas, who was injured through this, or through P, uh, part of the spring. Um, and then Eli Sanders. And then you also brought in a true freshman named Cartavius Norton, who was an early enrollee that I think everybody was really excited about. And uh, I had one person within inside the program tell me he was a, a, going to be a special player. So I'm interested to see just what happens at that, at that spot as well. You know, and then I think on the defense, I think there's a few guys there that, you know, I think people are going to sit down and watch Iowa State football and be surprised that they, how many names they know. Um, you know, obviously you, you lose some of your top end talent, but some of your role guys are still around guys who have been making an impact for you for several years. Obviously you look at a guy like Anthony Johnson, who uh, it, you know, by my money has been one of the best corners in, mm -hmm. in the big 12 for now three seasons. And to my knowledge, I think the only thing he's ever gotten is an honorable mention, all big 12 honor uh, it, for some reason. And um, you know, now he's going to move back to the safety spot. That's a position that I think they feel he projects that more at the next level, uh, give him an opportunity to play one year at that position after being a four-year starter at corner. So interested to see how that kind of works out. But I think people will, you know, will not, shouldn't be surprised to see him be a really big impact guy. Orion Vance is obviously back. I think him being at full health, um, it really for the first time for a spring um, since really early in his college career, I think he's another guy that you can expect to make a big impact next season. And then obviously Will McDonald, who might be the best pass rusher in all of college football, likely be a preseason All-American. Um, you know, he, he's coming back as well. And, I, you know, I think that a lot of people want to see what he can do as an all-three-downs type of player. Can You know, can you do a better job of being a part of stopping the run early on in, in drives uh, and not just be a one-trick pony as a pass rusher? So those are some guys that I think, you know, people – are going to recognize the names or um, some guys that, you know, you maybe should keep an eye on because I, I just think that there's, you know, there's a this group of guys who haven't exactly been the headliners, but they've been key pieces to what Iowa State's been able to do over the last several years. And now they're going to have to make a jump and, and be even bigger pieces for the cycling team to, you know, to, to perform at the level I think everybody's used to. Great um, information there. Jared Stansbury is joining us, a cyclone fanatic. Now, it's been a wild couple of weeks for Iowa State athletics. And unfortunately, in some cases, not in a great way. Uh, we know that now Tyrese Hunter entered the transfer portal, a star freshman basketball player last year came in, lit it up, especially late in the season, NCAA tournament, and um, he's now gone. I mean, Jared, there's, there's I guess, this, the micro conversation to have, which is Tyree specifically. Then there's the big-picture conversation around college athletics. Let's just start with Tyree in particular. Do you think and do you know if this was simply just driven by, you know, capitalizing on name, image, likeness? Was there also a dissatisfaction with Coach Ots and Iowa State? Was it a little bit of both? What do we know about just the Tyrese situation itself? From everything that I am aware of, and, and I'll preface this by saying I have not spoken personally with Tyrese, but obviously I've heard plenty of things uh, from other people. Um, from everything that I'm aware of, there was no issue or anything like that with the program. There wasn't anything. There's nothing personal about it, I don't think. I think that the NIL thing certainly played a big role in um, – you know, 
I think when you start to hear some of the numbers that are being tossed around for some of the guys that have been in the transfer portal and things like that, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Uh, just realistically, Iowa State likely cannot compete at the level that the places, you know, Tyrese is obviously considering right now uh, can. I mean, you look at a Kansas or a Texas or, I mean, even a Louisville, like they're just that they're able to throw a lot of, a lot of money around for basketball. And, um, you know, it's just not very realistic for Iowa State to be able to do something like that. So I think that that played a pretty significant role in all of it. I don't think that it was anything like they, he felt Iowa State wasn't doing a good job of developing him. I don't think there was a rift in the relationship. And I think that's also what made this so shocking, not just to fans, but I think even to some people in the program. And it, and it all happened uh, really, really fast as well, was, which is, I think, part of what was disappointing for some people. So how about the macro of all this then? And that is, of course, I, I mean, college sports becoming in many ways now pro sports where guys are going wherever they're going to make the most amount of money. You know, it's it's bothersome to me, Jared, and I know this is always how it works, right? Like something happens and the pendulum gets swung way too far the other direction instead of trying to find that happy medium. It seems like that's what's going on here. Uh, what is your assessment of it? And specifically for Iowa State, what does it mean in this environment where, you know, the money could end up ruling the show? Yeah, I mean, I I think my biggest thing with it, man, is it's just, just it's frustrating to, you know, I do this job because I really love college sports. It's the same reason that I know you do what you do. Like, we, we love college athletics, and that's why, you know, you want to be involved with it on a day-to-day basis. And I, college athletics are not healthy right now, I don't feel like. And, you know, I, I don't think that's it, – it's not anything about the fact that kids are able to make the money like I'm all for kids being able to make their money and to be able to to capitalize off of their opportunities and I don't want that to uh, come off as as what I'm trying to say I just think that there is a really slippery slope right here and the unfortunate part of it is is the entire the complete vacuum of leadership right now where you end up with a lot of people who are are only worried about themselves or they're only worried about their conference and uh, when you start to think of the entire landscape of college athletics, but everybody is, it's every man for themselves. That's not going to be the way to, to continue to um, carry forward a successful model, I think, for what this can look like in the future. And um, it just, you know, I, I think, you know, a, a perfect example, I heard Josh paid on two, four, seven, say this the other day, you know, said, you know, you can build the most beautiful neighborhood that you want, but if the entire city around the neighborhood burns down, the property value of your neighborhood is going to decrease drastically. And I think that that's a perfect example because, you know, if the entire health of college athletics decreases exponentially, then think how, you know, the fans that are out there that, uh, that might tune that out. Uh, you know, there's never been more entertainment opportunities or entertainment options uh, than any time than there is right now. Uh, people are going to start to tune out college sports if it starts to go too far down some of these ways. And it's, and it starts to be too much every man for themselves. And you start to leave people behind because of that. And I, I don't say that just because I'm an Iowa state guy. I say that for even the group of five schools, the, uh, the schools out there that um, are just trying to, you know, fight their way through this entire thing. 
uh, and are going to you know, suffer because of a bunch of people who only care about securing their own uh, their own bags. So uh, that's what I think is so frustrating about it right now from just my perspective with everything with college athletics. And, you know, I thought a perfect example yesterday, and this is nothing against coach self. And I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll even give, you know, kind of come back and, and explain what I mean, but, you know, for him to come out and say, I think that this is bad the way that this is going on. And then at the same time, you know, you hear a lot about what goes on behind the scenes. And I know that all these people who want to come out and say, well, this, I think this thing is bad are the same people that are turning around and participating in the thing that they think is bad and are driving the thing they think is bad forward. And that, and that just is, that's what's frustrating to me is it's like if someone says, man, I can't believe what's happening to the environment right now. This is, this is horrible. And then turns around and dumps a bag of trash on the ground and walks away. That's what I think is so, is so frustrating about this. And, um, and that's what I think is annoying to a lot of people. And from an Iowa State perspective, in a, in a world where everything, everything has always been driven by money. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, for, and be naive and think that the money hasn't always been there. It has. Uh, it's just the money is getting so much bigger. Uh, it's becoming so much more expensive uh, in recruiting. And um, Iowa State and, and a lot of schools across the country are going to get left behind if, as these numbers continue to grow unless something changes that opens up things to uh, allocate funds in different ways. And I don't know if that means, you know, you, you have to get to a certain point where you're doing revenue sharing and things like that between the schools. And um, I think it's unfortunate at places like Iowa State that don't have a Phil Knight or a T. Boone Pickens or, a, you know, whoever else, mega donor that, uh, that bankrolls their entire operation. Um, when just like average everyday fans are the ones that are expected to pick up the bill for building a roster. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. These are the same people who have to buy the season tickets. They have to make all the donations. Uh, you got to pay for your parking to, you got to pay, make a donation just to get the right level to get to uh, park at a certain place or to get your basketball tickets, to do all these kinds of things. And now on top of that, you're expected to give 10, 20, 50, however much money a month. Uh, to help build a roster too, or to help retain a roster. I mean, at what point does it stop, man? You know, and uh, that, that's why I, it just wouldn't shock me at all if over the next several years, and I think if you asked a lot of people out there that are not the absolute diehards, if you went to them and said, what, what's the odds that you have the same level of appetite for college athletics right now that you, in 10 years, I think a lot of people would say that they will not. And I think that that's really unfortunate. It is. It is a great analysis. Uh, Jared Stansbury joining us, a Cyclone fanatic on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Jared, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for being here, and we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate the time. Yeah, it sounds good, man. Anytime. Thanks to uh, Jared Stansbury. They do a great job at Cyclone Fanatic. Definitely check those guys out. If you haven't, I'm sure many of you are regulars of the site, but if not, go check them out at CycloneFanatic.com. And, hey, before you leave, hit that subscribe button on the podcast. ton of great Big 12 content. Also, we are launching new podcasts. We've got our Bedlam podcast that is up, so go search for that on iTunes. And when you leave a rating and a review on this show, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Uh, some news here to report to you. Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati 
apparently are set to join the Big 12 in 2023. So that would be for next football season, not this fall. Next fall, 2023. We know BYU is joining then. And a report came down from John Rothstein that said those three AAC teams are set to join the conference in 2023. Now, there's been uh, contradictory reports from Mike Oresco. He is the AAC commissioner. So this all went down on Wednesday where John Rothstein reported that Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF are moving forward with a plan to join the Big 12 for the 2023-2024 academic year. But then Mike Oresco said later in the day, quote, no agreement has been reached to permit those three, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, to leave early, adding our negotiations are continuing. So the exit is not finalized, but Oresco did say that it's been an amicable process thus far. I cannot wait. All right, first off, I think it's going to happen. Um, and I think it's going to be something that'll be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a 14-team Big 12 for a couple of years where you're going to have BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF in the league at the same time as Oklahoma and Texas who are going to be on their way out the door. Now, we don't know if it's going to be two years for Oklahoma and Texas. They say they're staying till 2025. Who the heck knows at this point? I don't have any idea what's actually going to end up happening in this whole thing. But uh, as of right now, they say they're staying until July of 2025. And the main reason that they're staying is because Oklahoma doesn't want to pay the massive buyout. Texas could pay that money tomorrow and, you know, wouldn't miss a beat. The money's not quite at that level for Oklahoma and or for Oklahoma. So they may have to wait a little bit longer. And if that's the case, I mean, so be it. They both want to leave together. I think that's the right thing to do. But it still is uh, a fascinating storyline. The Big 12 is going to end up being the most fun conference in the country for a couple of years. The dynamics of having four new teams with, of course, then the Blue Bloods of Oklahoma, Texas, who are leaving, it's just great. It's going to be so – I'm not saying it's going to be the best conference in America. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But it is going to be the most fun in America. And that's what I just, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. And I love this report. And I hope this report rings true. And I I do think that Oresco is just trying to say, well, we haven't dotted the I's and crossed the T's yet. That's the reason he's got to say that as the commissioner. But it it does look like it's all but a done deal. And (laughs) if you're a Big 12 fan, it's going to make for an absolutely awesome absolutely awesome couple of seasons. I I can't I'm already juiced up for it. All right. I'm I'm already juiced up and I just can't wait for it to all go down. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Um enjoy the NFL draft this weekend, by the way. That's always, always a lot of fun. And you know, as we're thinking about the big storylines of the week, NFL draft, spring practice over transfer portal completely out of control. Uh, I hope it's not the beginning of the end of college athletics. And by that, I mean, you have this interesting dynamic 
where it feels like this is the last year of the old way of things happening. Where guys who are coming out of college, going to the NFL draft, are literally going from amateur to pro athletes. And it feels like moving forward, we're just going to be going from kind of minor league to professional instead of going from college athletes to pro athletes. So I don't know. Maybe this is kind of the beginning of the end. Maybe this is kind of the last of an era, the end of an era. I hope not because as we talked about this show with Jared Stansbury, it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. It's not good for the sport. And it's one of those things that um, – I hope we're not sitting here in a few years and saying, remember when? The good old days. Because as they say about the good old days, you never really know when you're in them. You never really know when they're over. I mean, you know when they're over, but you don't know when you're in the thick of them. And I hope we're not talking about, geez, the good old days. You know, 2000, 2010, 2015. Ish. Ay, ay, ay. All right, if you're on the podcast, leave a rating and a review. It helps us grow the show tremendously. Uh, We would greatly appreciate if you do that. And by the way, send me an email, a screenshot of your rating and a review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. If you're on the radio, of course, we always love you guys there as well. And we'll talk to you next week. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com.